questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we embark on a journey into the deep, enigmatic heart of the Peruvian Amazon. Amidst the ancient shadows of this dense forest, a chilling story unfolds in the remote village of San Antonio de Pintoyacu. Here, the indigenous Iquitu people stand at the frontier of a terror that transcends the natural world, giving rise to a tale that straddles the realms of reality and the supernatural. In this secluded haven, the air is thick with fear and mystery. The village grapples with the presence of the Pelicaras, or face peelers. Towering at seven feet, these beings, clad in black armor and moving silently on circular platforms, strike terror in the hearts of the villagers. Their surreal appearances, marked by long heads, masks, and eerie yellowish eyes, challenge not just local folklore, but our very understanding of the possible. This tale gained traction when harrowing videos surfaced on social media, capturing a village in chaos. Gunshots echoed into the night as men fought desperately to protect their homes and loved ones. The case of young Talia, narrowly escaping a harrowing abduction, brings a haunting reality to the fore. Her account of these tall, faceless figures aligns alarmingly with the nightmarish lore of the Pelicaras. Tonight, we're joined by Josh Amaro, a former military man turned paranormal investigator. His transition from the disciplined world of the military to the unpredictable realm of the paranormal exemplifies the courage and curiosity needed to explore such unknowns. Josh brings not just expertise, but a unique insight into this extraordinary phenomenon. As we delve into this perplexing narrative, questions loom large. Are these entities manifestations of ancient folklore, a collective hysteria, or something far more inexplicable? Could these be orchestrated by the world's elites wielding technology indistinguishable from magic and using the ET angle to hide their crimes? These questions and more hang in the air, as dense as the Amazonian canopy itself. Prepare to be captivated and perhaps unnerved as we venture into the heart of this Peruvian mystery. The story of the Pelicaris is not just an isolated event. It's a glimpse into a world where myth and reality intertwine. Get ready as we embark on a journey that promises to be as enlightening as it is chilling. Josh Amaro is coming up next. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. Discover the Veritas Digest series on Amazon. Multiple volumes, each unveiling the truths they don't want you to know. It's more than just reading. It's an awakening. Secure your copies today. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now here's your host, Mel Hastelrick. 
He does not have a website, but his Twitter account is 5MEO Productions, and that can be found on our website as well. Directly from San Diego, California, I'd like to welcome Josh Amaro. Hello, Josh, and welcome to Veritas. Hello, Mal. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Josh, first of all, you are a Navy Navy veteran, correct? Yeah, yes, sir. I was a, a Navy corpsman for 10 years. So, first of all, thank you for your service. And I'm very curious also to know, how did you transition from a military man to a paranormal investigator? That's the first question I have. Um, geez, it, it's a bit of a long story. Um, after the... You know, I served 10 years in the Navy. Um, eight of those years, I was attached to uh, Naval Special Warfare. So I, I was not a SEAL. I didn't go through SEAL training, the, through bots or any of that sort, no, no selection. But I was attached to them. And um, I learned a lot through, with, with those guys. They're a wonderful group of, of uh, human beings, uh, great patriots. And so um, being attached to them, I, I learned quite a few skills besides medical stuff. And... After leaving the Navy, I um, I got offered a job in security, and uh, my former master chief um, reached out to me and was like, "Hey, we need a medic uh, who has skills, and uh, are you interested?" And um, you know, I was going to school, I was trying to figure things out, and I said, "Yes, why not? Sounds exciting." And um, Yes, I transitioned to the world of uh, executive protection. Um, I didn't want to do the stuff with the um, like VIPs, like um, shall we say, movie stars and things of that sort. I that did not attract me at all. What I went into was high threat protection. I've worked in South Africa, Zimbabwe, Madagascar, Morocco, uh, Argentina, Brazil, all over South America, Mexico. And that, that's uh, that's what interested me most. And um, it's a really long story. But one day I was asked to do uh, protection for a gentleman who a, a gentleman who's who's attached to um, the intelligence community, and even deeper than that, he's attached to um, UFOs investigation. Not people commonly know them as UAPs. I have my own reasons for saying UFO still, but uh, yeah, he was attached to that um, through a TV show, and um, I got to get to know him a lot, and I got to see a lot of things, and my eyes were open. Like I said, when I was told what he was into, I was very skeptical. I, even though I, in the past, I had my own experiences, I had my own uh, experience with paranormal. I didn't want to still believe it that, that it was real. But after working with him and seeing, I had my own experience, like I said, firsthand experiences with with him, um, working for him. My eyes were open and I was a, a full believer in uh, in the paranormal. Not not only, um, like I said, UFOs, extraterrestrials, things of that sort. There's a lot of other, it, the whole paranormal um, subject encompasses a wide variety of phenomena. And why did you say that, that you prefer to use UFOs other than UAPs? I do too, by the way, but what, why? I'm curious as to why you say that. Um, geez. So even though I, I was in the Navy, and even though, you know, when I joined the Navy, people were like, why are you joining the Navy? You're the, 
last person I would think of wanting to go into the government and people giving you orders and telling you what to do. I, I, I've always been a, a bit of a contrarian and a bit of a rebel. And, uh, <laughs> but su surprisingly, maybe that's why I am, um, I was welcomed into the special welfare committee. That's because um, those guys are unconventional. And um, like I said, anyways, so the UAP uh, designation, in my mind, it's, um, I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but in my mind, it's a, it's a government designation. It's um, unidentified aerial phenomena, right? Um, a lot of these things, we know they're cracked. And maybe a small percent, percentage of, the, of them are not cracked, and there are other things that even our physics can't describe. But still, um, I prefer to call it uh, UFO because we know a lot of these things are, are cracked. And so the... the, the Governmental designation doesn't jive very well, very well with me. Let's dive into this story. How did you get in touch with, how did you discover this Pelacaras face peelers in Peru? When did you become exposed to it? After w working um, with a gentleman, I, um, um, I was still, that the whole, UFO paranormal uh, thing was still in my mind. Uh, I, I, I had the bug. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to investigate a lot more. And so um, I went to the other things, uh, other tasks, other jobs. And then I hooked up with uh, several veterans and I told them my story. And they were, they were also intrigued. And um, they were like, hey, man, why don't we do our own thing? What, with all your contacts and all the things that you've learned, why don't we do our own production and go around the world and investigate these things? And so um, we started doing that uh, about two years ago. We started reaching out to um, some military, military intelligence contacts I have in South America and uh, and also investigators. And I reached out to them and I, we started going into the field and interviewing them. We have tons of interviews. I mean, um, I've interviewed Robert Salas. Uh, are you familiar with Robert uh, Salas? Captain Salas, of course I am. Yes. yes. So we went to his home and interviewed him. We did uh, a, a two-hour interview with him and his wife. Um, we're going to release that in, uh, later this year. I interviewed uh, Paul Smith. He was the um, major who, the officer who ran um, remote viewing for the U.S. Army. Sure. I'll, right. I interviewed him. He gave us a great interview about a lot of his targets that he interviewed. Um, and also Jaime Maussan. Jaime is, is a, a great investigator. And I know Jaime. Uh, we, went, we went to his office and he opened up. I mean, we didn't, I, it, was a, it, it was like a cold uh, a call. Like I reached out to him and I was like, hey, we're in San Diego and we're um, paranormal investigators. Would you be interested in talking to us? And he was more than accommodating we went down to mexico city in his office he opened up his safe and bought out uh, ufo materials from uh crash retrievals um all sorts of things and you know so that that was our story we were going around doing interviews and uh one day you know surfing the internet the story popped up uh, of a 
village in the Peruvian Amazon. Uh, the story was that they were being attacked by seven foot tall uh, aliens, right? And uh, I think it was a daily mirror that I saw them. And I was really skeptical. <laughs> I showed it to the guys. They were curious. And I said, why not? Let's, um, I reached out to Jaime Maussan and I asked him, hey, uh, what do you think about this case? And Jaime said, you know, I'm almost positive this is this is real. According to some of the people I, I've spoken with in Peru, this is a real thing. And that was it. That was all it took for me to, to convince me uh, to go down there. Uh, we're self-funded. We don't have a ton of um, money. We have backers, financial backers. We don't, uh, yeah, it's all out of pocket. So we learned about this in July and we didn't get there till November. We, I had to um, save money, and we all did. This is July and, 2023 and November 2023, last year, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, so in November, um, I, let me back it up. Uh, in July, Jaime, Jaime uh, gave me the contact for Joyce Mantilla. Joyce is a, a Peruvian investigator. He's a journalist uh, and uh, out of Lima, Peru. And I reached out to Joyce and told him that I was interested in going down there. And he said, no one has come down to uh, talk to these people. The only place that I've... So the village is called... Uh, the name of the village is San Antonio, the Pintayacu. It's in the Peruvian Amazon. And uh, the closest city to San Antonio is a city called Iquitos. And Iquitos is also in the middle of the Peruvian Amazon. It's ten, they're 10 hours away by, uh, by boat. Iquitos is the biggest city in the world that's accessible only by air and by boat. It's a couple day ride from Lima, Peru. So uh, Joy said, yeah, no one's come down. Um, only local reporters have gone down, but they've gone as far as Iquitos. They haven't gone to San Antonio. So all the information is secondhand. And I told the guys, hey, we, we got to go. We got to go there. Um, let me talk about my crew. Um, like I said, some of us are veterans and some of us are security professionals. Uh, Mike DeSargo, he's, um, I would say, one of our producers. He has been uh, executive, been doing executive protection for, for I'm going to say, the close to 15, 15 years in San Diego. And he's worked all over Mexico uh, doing high threat protection for um, high-valued individuals. So... Um, and Jeff Kircher, he was a Marine Scout sniper, uh, Force Recon, um, and has done special operations in the Middle East. Uh, I have been to the uh, Amazon, but I uh, previously I had gone to the Colombian Amazon. So I was familiar of how daunting it is to travel into the Amazon jungle. And I spoke with the guys and I told them, you know, this is the real deal. Um, if you guys don't want to, don't feel safe coming, um, please let me know right now because I'm, I'm going to start planning for this and depending how many people are going to come. Um, I, we need to plan for resources, medical, uh, logistics, travel, uh, you know, uh, supplies for uh, food, comms, uh, blue force tracking so, so somebody in the United States can see where we are at, at every point of our of our travel 
How, how do you do that? How do you do that? Because I, I presume that once you enter the jungle, comes become very challenging. And do you have mm -hmm. some kind of transponder? Yes, we, uh, Mike Desargo is the is the uh, tech whiz. He's uh, uh, even though I spent a lot of time in the military, and I we, I got to use um, million multi million dollar equipment. I'm a medic. <laughs> I can barely work work my Apple TV, and so um, Mike Mike Desargo is our is our tech tech whiz. Uh, we, we felt really safe with him. He uh, yeah he bought um, a satellite communicator. Okay, satellite so, phone. Yes. No, we okay. had uh, satellite phones, but we it was it was not a phone. It, it was just sending a signal to a satellite, letting them know where we, where we were at. So it was so, yeah, it was more like a transponder. Kind. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like a satellite transponder. So uh, that, no, that's how it worked, and it was it took a lot of planning and a lot of money on our part. Um, so like I said, that was July. By November, we were ready to roll out. I was in constant communication with uh, with Joyce. I, to be honest, I don't think Joyce believed that we were coming down. Um, he was just, uh, he. It, it would take him weeks to respond to my emails or texts. Um, he, he just wasn't interested. And then one day, about a month out, I sent him copies of our uh, flight itinerary, our Airbnb, um, you know, all the stuff that we, we had cased out. And, um, and yeah, Mike, Jeff, and a, a friend of mine, his name is uh, Tristan Rummel. Um, he has n no uh, experience with um, in the military security, but he's a really smart guy, a really capable guy. You just tell him what to do, and he does it. And uh, he he was kind of kind of like our um, production assistant. And we all got on uh, on a flight here in uh, in TJ in Tijuana, and flew to Lima, Peru. Uh, we just dropped our our luggage at the Airbnb, met up with Joyce. That same day, we took a flight to Iquitos. Wow! And the same day you arrived, didn't rest. Same day. Just we didn't, we didn't rest. We just um, it's the we, we used to go go go. So it's, you know, a couple of days without rest is is it's okay for, uh, with us. So from Lima to Iquitos, how long? It's an it's about an hour flight, an, an hour to and a half flight to Iquitos from Lima. So you get to Iquitos but, and then. We got there to Iquitos around uh, seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, we had to find lodging that night, uh, and uh, we started asking around for a boat because, believe it or not, uh, searching for for transportation from the United States in to for in Iquitos uh, is really hard. The prices I was finding were like gringo prices, you know, like thousands and thousands of dollars, and I didn't want to believe that they were going to charge us that much. And so when we got there, I was like, I'll just reach out to a local fisherman and he'll just, you know, it'll be much, a lot cheaper. And I couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> they gave me the same price that I saw online. So, um, yeah, we found the speedboat and the guy was like, I have the fastest speedboat around and I can get you there in, in five hours as opposed to a regular boat, 10 hours. And I said, yep, great. I got up at five in the morning, loaded all our gear on the boat and got on the speedboat and down to San Antonio. Uh, the right is what you would imagine, kind of kind of like Heart of Darkness, um, Apocalypse Now. You know, you go on the, on the boat in the jungle and you see... Uh, apocalypse Now mixed with Predator. Yeah, yes, that's exactly it, yes. Uh, so you, we get on the, on the river and you, you, civilization starts fading away. You see a couple of boats here and there. Uh, shacks next to the riverbed, but as you keep 
going deeper and deeper into the into the uh thank you for listening to unlock the full two-hour interview including video formats downloads transcripts exclusive articles and more subscribe to veritas plus now gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008 just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe you want to know subscribe now to listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material proceed to the veritas plus member section or join the veritas plus family by subscribing click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com don't forget to visit the veritas store for focused life force energy get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required and if you want to get in touch with mel want to be a guest on this radio program have a guest suggestion or have feedback just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com now proceed to the veritas plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview you don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe you want to know What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.